This is the Hiking Through Life podcast. We've all been gifted a journey called life. Let's see where the journey leads us today. Welcome to the Hiking Through Life podcast. I'm Andy. And I'm Sarah. And in today's journey, we talk with Dr. Amanda Haig from Cadence Chiropractic. And it's important to note that a lot of our episodes have been related to the outdoors specifically, but this episode can definitely be related to the outdoors and hiking, but it's also important for anyone to listen to. Have you been having aches and pains out on the trail? Have you been sore in your back after a day of hiking or has your knees been bothering you? Maybe there's something else that's deeper going on within your body. Yeah, it's really important to listen to your body. If you're not listening to your body, you're eventually going to struggle. So listening to your body is the number one key. And Dr. Amanda Haig has a lot of good insight into this topic. When your body is right, when you do the little things outside of your your activity, whatever that may be, your body will be in a healthier state. She gives the example well, two examples within the podcast, actually. But one of them is related to something in Minnesota that's actually occurring right now, the snow and shoveling, and how when we twist and turn and bend and scoop and all of those little little things that our body, that are stresses on our body, over time, those can add up and add up. And then that small little turn that your body wasn't necessarily expecting or that your core wasn't quite strengthened enough to handle will then maybe throw your back out or may pull a muscle. I'm not really doing this any justice. You got to hear it from a Dr. Amanda Haig in this interview. So if your body might not have been in alignment in 2019... We hope this episode will motivate you to get your body in alignment and healthy in 2020. Happy New Year. We're excited to kick off the year with this episode. So sit back and enjoy this episode with Dr. Amanda Haig. All right. We are joined on the podcast today by Dr. Amanda Haig. Thank you for joining us, Amanda. Thank you for having me, Sarah. And um, Amanda and I originally met a few weeks back at the Your Shining Life Expo, which is put on by the Natural Awakenings magazine in the Twin Cities. And I came across Amanda's booth, and she is a chiropractor of Cadence Chiropractic. And we kind of started talking about her experience and her um, goals with being a chiropractor. So that's what we're going to talk about today on the podcast. This is a little different than what some of our podcasts have been. They've been about people's inspirations through through the outdoors. And that's not necessarily what um, caught my attention with Amanda, more so just the preventative care and caring for your body, which is a whole other and important side to people getting out on the trail. Yes, absolutely. And that Passion for motion is something that I share, and that's exactly how it came with the name Cadence, and I'm excited to be sharing a little bit more to help everybody stay out on the trails. 
Yeah. And my understanding is that you um, started off with some athletic training, like you had a sports medicine background. My undergraduate degree was in athletic training. And then I finished with a master's in exercise science and health promotion. I'm, I really like kinesiology, which is the movement of the spine. And that was really a foundation, that sports background. And I was an athlete myself. My main goal was to help people stay active in the things they wanted to do. The time I spent in high school in the athletic training room where we were trying to you know, get things better and stay on the court or on the field, whatever you needed to do, I really liked that environment. So I went and pursued that in my undergrad degree. And I'm very thankful that I did because it really comes, that education comes into play a lot more each day with different patients than what I think people who went into chiropractic without that background would really think of. Okay, sure. Because when you were doing that originally, like basically were you just talking to athletes about ways they can prevent their injuries? Is that what you were doing? Part of the job as an athletic trainer is prevention, where I was actually an athletic trainer for a college team, my alma mater, which is Duquesne University in Pittsburgh. And I got to work with a few of the different teams where we go through, you know, why it's important to do the dynamic warm-up, why it's important to keep these base preventative strengths so that when you're out playing that sport, we prevent the risk of injury. And then should one occur, that we get you back to that pre-injury status as quickly as we can. So I had the before and after. I worked with athletes who did need to have surgery for different things and bringing them from basically zero all the way back to the field and just, again, keeping people on the field and that prevention was certainly a lot more exciting and my passion with it. Yeah. And I think that's so cool because like I go to the gym so regularly and but I'm also like a huge advocate for stretching and like go to yoga very regularly, too, to get those stretches in. And I see a huge and feel a huge difference in my body when I just stretch. So obviously, you know about all the importance of that. But then I talk to people who go to all these high intensity classes and don't do any stretching. Sure. Yet they're like pushing their bodies so much. And it's just that simple act of taking time to care for your body. Yes. Yes. Stretching is absolutely part of that. And having a balanced uh, flexibility and strength, because a lot of times when someone even now comes in, whether it's a patient that I see now, or maybe it was an athlete that was on the soccer field and they say, this part of my hip hurts. It's the front part kind of where your pocket is on your pants. That front of my hip hurts when I'm running or whatever it might be. They're standing from sitting and they have pain there. Well, that hip flexor muscle is shortened all of the time when we're sitting. That's something that the common population right now, <clears throat> excuse me, the common population right now has a lot of trouble with because we're sitting to commute, we're sitting at work, we're sitting all the time. And that muscle is very shortened. And then we want to go out and do our lifting, our training, and maybe we don't focus on that area enough. And when we do try to go and hike or maybe run something that creates a little bit more stretch in that muscle, it creates pain. And all of the above, we're not getting enough flexibility. We're maybe not engaging the proper strength balance, where maybe the front of the muscles on that hip and leg and pelvis are engaged more than the ones on the back. And so we need a balance of the flexibility and the strength. 
and proprioception, which is that balance, knowing where you are in space. That's something you can train your body to be better at, which is kind of a cool thing too with all of you out on the trails. We want to be able to go on some of the trails that maybe aren't as paved or smooth as we want them to be or as some of them are. Having good balance and proprioception is important. So if you step onto an uneven surface, your body can engage properly to prevent a fall before you even think about it. Your body just knows how to do that. Right, right. And I, um, I've i learned that through many years of hiking. But also, sometimes there is like the natural um, causes of the earth, like the, the rain and stuff where, yes. where you will just slip. But yeah, yes. I mean, it, it is huge. Like I've definitely learned how to kind of manage those trails over the years. But before we go further into this, let's kind of just talk about where did this even come about? Like you were an athletic trainer and then you got your own hip injury, correct? Yes, I did. I was actually playing uh, full contact football, women's football, when I was in Pittsburgh, and it was a lot of fun. Um, the Pittsburgh passion are definitely part of my family, and I miss them. But being on that team certainly is a whole different type of sport than what most people have trained for. And I did have an injury to my hip, and it really was more the front center of my pelvis, and the muscles all along the insides of my legs were not able to engage properly. Um, and then for two for multiple months, actually, I was having trouble walking without pain. And being in my mid-20s was kind of like, wow, I had this injury doing something I love. I'm not able to hardly even walk right now. How am I going to be able to run, be active, and start a family, do all of the things that I want to do because I can hardly even move? Nothing was really helping. And then I found a chiropractor that did something a little bit more unique than what the other people I had seen do. And he had me jogging without pain in two weeks. Months of walking in pain. Now I can jog. It's like the clouds opened. Everything can come back in. And I was very excited by that and decided it was something I wanted to be able to help people do. Be a chiropractor and make sure the bones of the spine are moving the way they should and position the way they should. Because, again, we talked about the importance of flexibility and strength, but those muscles connect to the bones. And if the bones aren't moving or positioned the way that they should be, then there's a limitation to our performance and sustained injuries. So I decided to go back to school. Wow. That's cool that you kind of like took something that was kind of tragic to you and just totally turned it around to helping others. Cause I think, yeah, there's probably so many people out there like you who are going from doctor to doctor to orthopedic surgeon just bouncing back and forth um so what do you guys do differently at cadence chiropractic than someone else might do at a orthopedic surgeon or doctors what do you guys do differently well in general chiropractic is based on helping function in the nervous system improve so that means the information in your brain that needs to pass through all of your nerves to keep your body healthy we want those pathways to be 100% functioning all the time. But the truth is the spine, if it's not moving properly or positioned properly, can affect that communication. And it doesn't necessarily lead to pain. Pain is a main reason why people seek out chiropractic if maybe nobody else has been able to correct it for them or someone else they know had success with it. So your pathways can actually be not communicating as effectively as we want and you don't have any pain. 
now you're moving differently, your body's having to recruit different areas, and that's a position where your body's susceptible to injury. Now, when you do get injured, it's not from that one time. I hear all the time, oh, I bent down to pick up the laundry basket and my back threw out. It wasn't that laundry basket. Unfortunately, it was probably the hundreds that you've done before that with bad form on top of other things that set the stage for that split second injury. So you hear that a lot. So do you find that a lot of the people that are coming into your office are kind of saying things like that, like, oh, I bent over and this happened? Or have they kind of bent forward with the years and years of pain that they've been having? I have a range. Uh, There are certainly are people that come in and say, you know, just one day this one thing happened and it hasn't been the same since. Or I've always had trouble, but nobody's been able to help me. Or I do have people that come in and I know I'm fine, I'm okay right now, but I want to know what's not functioning well so that I can correct it before any problems happen. And I see the whole range of, of that, but really kind of what you were asking about the office and what Cadence has differently, you know, chiropractic is focusing on the spine and nervous system. But in my office, we utilize three very specific and objective tools to actually be able to see the function of the spine and nervous system. And that's really the part that gets me pretty excited because I'm the only office that I know of in the state that uses this particular type of analysis where we do a thermography scan. That's a temperature graph. It measures the function of the nervous system. Then we do structural x-rays. That way I can show you this is where your spine position is and this is where it should be. That allows us also to see if there's any degeneration going on. And then the video motion x-ray where I actually have you look up, look down, left and right. We do some side bending and it actually lets me see which bones aren't moving. And those are the ones that we adjust. So instead of adjusting maybe anywhere, anytime, I'm only adjusting very specifically the bones that aren't moving properly. And that's what's to help your nervous system function better and spine improve in that position. Okay. And sure. You said you use three different types of tools to measure that. So like gathering that information from three areas is helping you to make this like very specific decision. Absolutely. And then we're not taking any guesses, really. I'm able to see the condition of the spine and we're able to track. So we do reassessments, say your spine is very straight here and it shouldn't be. Well, we're going to check back in and make sure that we're making improvements to that. Because yes, healing takes time and it may not happen as fast as you or I want it to. But if we don't look back at it, then we're not really seeing the improvement that we're making. And that's true with the nerve scan, that thermography scan as well. We want to see that your body is functioning better each visit as we go because we do that scan before every adjustment. So if your scan looks better today than it did yesterday, I'm not going to do the same adjustment I did yesterday. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's super informative. And like that made it a little easy for me to understand like all the science behind it. So thank you. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Okay. So I know that a lot of people also are like really quick to like grab prescriptions and stuff. So what would you say to someone who might be listening to this, who is on like a handful of prescriptions right now, but it's kind of on the fence about coming in to see a chiropractor, what would you say to them? I have this conversation with people often because it, to me, comes down to a question of if you feel that the cause of the problem is being addressed. And if you do feel that you've been taken care of in the proper ways and this is something that you need, I'm not in a place to tell you not to take your prescription. But I do question if this certain area of your body has been in constant pain or dysfunction, 
maybe we should look at the spine and nervous system because they could be part of the problem. Maybe it's not the whole entire aspect of it, but us helping that spine and nervous system improve is going to help your body be healthier so that ideally you could be taken off of those medications by whoever prescribed them to you because you don't need them as much anymore. Right, right. That makes so much sense. And it's, yeah, kind of finding that root cause. That's awesome. And then just like um, daily movement too for people. Like I know that you have a lot of articles on your website about movement and inflammation and stuff. And we talk tons about like the benefits of getting outdoors and benefits of hiking. Um, And we talk a lot about like how it helps our minds, but we know there's a whole lot of science behind getting out outside and walking on a daily basis. And we always promote like, you don't need to get out onto this fancy trail. You can just go on sidewalks. Um, So like, what are like some of the most scientific based facts you can say for people who, who should be getting out and walking? What are the benefits of it? Well, the one (laughs) quote that comes into my head, uh, Dr. Roger Sperry, he has a quote that says that 90% of the stimulation and nutrition to the brain comes from movement of the spine. So getting out there and moving your spine is literally what you need to do to help your brain to have the information it needs to be healthy. And then in turn, to keep the rest of your body healthy. We unfortunately have so much time where we spend sitting and, and that creates an inability of our body to really function at its best. So absolutely with the, the nature aspect of it too, really connecting, you know, I believe strongly in that. I don't have a specific research quote or anything that I can pull out from that, but that movement of the spine in whatever way you can do it is really an important aspect and should be brought into every day. And you know that you probably, most of your listeners know that already. Right, right. They do. But hopefully, I mean, we hope that there's always some that are first timers that Yes. hear this stuff and they're like, aha, yeah. It's just always good to hear that stuff as much as you can because the more you hear it, the more you're going to live it. <laughs> you're absolutely right. Yes, that reinforcement, encouragement. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and another thing is like, yeah, as you said, like a lot of our listeners already know like that hiking and moving is so important. But another part of it is that there is injury involved in hiking and Luckily, knock on wood, I've never been severely injured out on the trail, like never have rolled an ankle or a knee, but I know it's very possible. And um, what kind of things would you say that are the best preventative cares for those kind of injuries? Sure. I think the biggest recommendations I can give are kind of what you alluded to earlier. We need to make sure that we're actually stretching, that we're actually warming up and cooling down from our activities. And for something like hiking, you know, taking that light walk before you actually get into the hills and to the terrain that might be more challenging and fun, but kind of moving a little bit, stopping and stretching here and there. And that's something that will allow the, any areas that aren't really engaging because of the tension of the muscles, maybe from your regular work day or work week, that you kind of loosen those up beforehand. And then, of course, afterwards, kind of making sure that your body is uh allowed to settle into that kind of relaxed state after you've been through that hike and replenishing with, of course, the proper nutrients and water. I think the most specific areas that call out most to me when when thinking about hiking are keeping good movement in your ankles. So like rolling your ankles in those circles or pointing your toes and almost writing the alphabet with your toes 
to try to engage the different areas of those muscles and tendons and keep everything warmed up and loose, ready to go. The hip flexor stretch, that hip flexor we talked about earlier, one of the best stretches for that is a lunge where you just kind of step forward and keep your back leg straight. I really like to step that one up where if I can explain this well, just in, in words, hopefully it works out okay, but you actually use like a chair or couch and put the, the leg that you want to stretch, put that knee on the seat where you would normally sit down and put your foot back where your head would normally be. So it's almost like your, your leg is in that uh, extension, like you were running where your knee and leg are behind you. Oh, then sure, you're facing sure. forward and you just stretch into feeling that front part of your hip stretch into that. That's my favorite one because it engages more of the front muscles of your quad and your leg as well. Yeah. And, you know, everything that you just said was um, really simple stretches that we can easily do when out on the trail. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the one that kind of caught my attention was write the alphabet with your feet. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, that is so simple. Just sit on your bottom and like, it's, I mean, you're working your core there too. <laughs> sure. Sure. Very true. I think one other point is, you know, depending upon whether you're taking a pack with you is thinking about your chest because when we're carrying anything, there's some basic uh, cues to making sure that of course it's not too heavy, but that it's positioned properly. Because if you are going uphill and you have a backpack on, that's putting a lot of stress in different areas that we want to make sure isn't becoming too overwhelming depending upon how long or how often you hike. So some of the best backpack cues are to make sure the bottom of the backpack is actually resting like at or just above where the belt line would be. So it's not hanging too low. And then having those straps, straps tightened up enough and using both shoulders to make sure the weight is evenly dispersed. And if you have any of the clips, which most of the hiking bags do, is the clips on the chest to make sure that kind of disperses the weight a little bit more. But even with the right positioning of the backpack, your chest is having to lean forward to hold on to that. So you can stretch putting your hand maybe on a tree and turning away so you feel that across the front of your chest. And that would also be a really good one to do when you're finished because now you take off that that pack and you can stretch out and loosen up the shoulders that have been working so hard to hold it up. Totally. Yeah. Those hiking backpacks, I mean, they save backpackers like crazy. The ones with the hip belt and the chest belt. Yeah. I remember like one of the um, first few times I was out backpacking, I didn't realize that it had that, that chest strap and I was hiking without it. And then when I realized that it's there, it made a world of difference because all of this like stress of the weight of the pack was just pulling back on my shoulders and I was yes. just in pain. And I just thought that's what it was. But right. until someone teaches you how to put this backpack on properly, you're not going to know. <laughs> sure. And if you're using your hands to hold the straps up because maybe it doesn't have the clips or something, now you're not using your arms to actually get the momentum and the balance to continue your movements. And that could create other restrictions and problems as well. Oh, sure. Right. Because, yeah, there's a lot of like day hikers that might do that. Sure. Or I just see like little kids do that, too. So maybe they're yes, causing the problems for cues, later in life. <laughs> those are great ones for kids, too. And that's why it's so like on the top of my tongue, because I talk to parents about that. 
I see kids all the time. Their backpacks are too heavy. They only have them on one shoulder. They're drooped too low because maybe that's the cool thing to do. And now that's putting a lot of stress on their spine. And that's really unfortunate because they probably aren't going to have pain. They're probably going to be able to do it, but that doesn't mean it's good for them. Right. And causing a problem for later in life. Yeah. And then yes. that makes me think of those cross body backpacks that used to be really popular, like back in the early 2000s, the one that would yep. rest on one shoulder. <laughs> yes, it's very unbalanced. The The better balanced you can be, the better it'll be for your body. I mean, that even goes into a purse. Be careful how heavy you have a purse, because that's either on one shoulder or across your chest on the other shoulder. And that throws off different things from your balance and proprioception to the muscles engaged in your shoulders. And I'm not saying don't use your bag or purse, but just being careful of how much or how heavy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it, it's those things that you have to hear over and over again to have those aha moments and realize that might be what's causing my pain. <laughs> sure, sure. So say um, a hiker was out on the trail and they did roll their ankle or roll their knee, um, what kind of things could they do to help their injury before they seek professional help? When you're out yeah. on the trail, you know, you're likely four or five miles away from a town. What sure. can they do? Ultimately, my question would be how prepared is the person? Because if you're prepared with some type of wrap to wrap around your ankle or knees so that it doesn't get too swollen, that could be a really beneficial thing. And it doesn't have to be any specific type of wrap, just kind of those stretchy, elastic things that you would get at any um, convenience store, I guess, probably not convenience, but like a health store, and just kind of wrap around and pin that on so that it helps prevent it from getting bigger. Because if you do need to walk back, then you don't want that to be adding the extra swelling on top of what's already happening. But also thinking of some type of support, so whether you have a buddy with you to lean on or using some type of walking stick so you can try to be more careful with that. The biggest cues after any injury are often things most people have heard of, which is the RICE principle, the rest, ice, compression, and elevation. So the compression is with that wrap. If you already put the compression on there, we know you have to continue your hike to get back and you can't rest and you can't necessarily ice it or elevate it. But adding that compression is a really good thing to try to get you back and without it getting worse before you're able to do the other things. Yeah, yeah, that's a huge part of it. And I, I know so many hikers who have done that kind of stuff. So um, it sounds like it's just kind of making sure you're prepared for those injuries to happen. I'd say that's probably the best thing. Otherwise, unfortunately, I don't have a specific other recommendation besides if you have a friend that can come out and get you. And I don't know that most situations are, <laughs> are allowing that. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's a uh, self-sufficient when you're out there. <laughs> yeah. Your buddy months. isn't going to want to give you a backpack ride or a piggyback ride back to the camp. That's <laughs> probably not likely. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, um, Another thing I wanted to ask you about your your injury was how when you had that hip injury back, this is kind of wrapping back to our previous yeah. earlier conversation. How long did you have that injury for? Can you remind me? Yeah, it was about six months that I was not walking right or running right and had pain. It was kind of defeating and unfortunate. But the thing is, you you knew something was wrong, right? And through those six months, were you how many different like um people were you seeing to try to sure. seek help? 
Well, uh, being part of the team, we had our athletic trainers and our physicians that did an exam right away. And ultimately, we thought that I had just pulled a muscle, basically my hip flexor muscle that we've been talking about, because uh, most of the other tests didn't really stand out as something worse than that. And then I, we had a, a team chiropractor that came to the school that I worked at and he worked on me a little bit. He had more of the traditional chiropractic approach where you kind of lean on your side and they roll you here and, and roll your neck this way and that way. And I, I found that to be helpful, but it didn't correct it. I was able to do some physical therapy myself because, you know, as the, in the athletic training department, we knew a lot of those exercises I also had a, an MRI done to look at some of the other structures, and it was found that I had a couple of small labral tears, but I had them in both hips. So the doc was like, this isn't what's causing your trouble. This was there beforehand. Stop jumping so much and <laughs> quit playing volleyball. <laughs> Those high-intensity so, sports. <laughs> yeah. So basically, everything helped a little bit, but it never went away. And ultimately, the problem was if you picture your pelvis is like a bowl, right? So if you put your hands on your hips, you have your hands on what's called the ilium, which is part of your pelvis. And if you come towards the front, where those two bones come together is your pubic bone. And that pubic bone, there's a, a disc uh, connective tissue in between there. And what happened is when I fell, I had one knee, my left knee in my chest and my right leg straight behind me. And it created a twist where my left leg twisted up and my right back and that pubic symphysis slipped a little bit, just enough so that all the muscles that are supposed to connect there were not engaging properly. And so that was creating pain and swelling and instability. And even though I was working on better strength and flexibility, it wasn't able to engage because that joint was shifted just enough where no matter what I was going to do, it wasn't going to get better. And then the chiropractor that I saw that actually adjusted that joint to help untwist it, that's why it happened so fast that I was able to get back into running is I had maintained enough strength from what I was able to do that once he repositioned that the muscles were able to engage properly and I was able to jog without pain in two weeks. Yeah. I'm sure you were just like, Oh, thank yes, goodness. Exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah. I can only imagine for someone who's so active to just not be able to do everything you've done for so long. It's gotta be a challenge. <laughs> I feel very lucky. I feel very lucky that I was supported, even in the methods that didn't work as well as that they as I wanted them to. I still was, you know, talking to people, explaining what's going on. They were explaining what they found. And I feel very thankful that in particular the orthopedic surgeon, that she didn't just say, let's go in and correct these labral tears, that she knew enough to say this isn't causing your problem. We should leave that alone because Unfortunately, that can happen where you maybe you don't know what's causing the problem and you have an operation and that creates more problems down the line. So I feel very grateful that I was cared for in all ranges by people that were able to help me understand more of what was creating the problem until we were able to find it and fix it. And really, that's what I get, I'm really passionate about helping other people do and why I went back into chiropractic to keep the spine, that root of your whole body is motion and stable as we can have it. And then using tools where I can actually be very specific so that I know, even if you aren't feeling better, we know if your body is functioning better. 
and being very specific in the adjustments too. That's one thing that we haven't mentioned yet is I don't do the twisting style of adjustment. I'm very specific and only, again, making sure we're moving the one bone that needs to be moved and we don't need to do it in that twisting fashion. So very direct in making sure that the soft tissue is relaxed, we're moving the bones so that everything can engage more properly and keep the body functioning at its best. So did you basically decide to open Cadence Chiropractic in the way that you guys are evaluating your patients? Did you decide to do that based upon your own experience with your injury? Is that kind of where that came from? Well, when I was in chiropractic school is when I learned about this particular analysis. It's called the Pierce Result System. And I think going in, I had every intention to be a sports chiropractor, to be out on the field and helping people just like I thought I had been helped. But the more I learned about the importance of being very specific and objective, the more I had to kind of transition into how do I do this with the right tools? So opening the office engaging those tools to be able to help people very specifically is absolutely a huge part of what I do. But I also integrate a lot of that extremity and sports work that I learned so that when I am seeing people that like to be active, we're keeping your body healthier from the spine and nervous system out. But then I can also check your ankle and make sure that it's moving the way we need it to, because if you really did roll it out on the trail, it wasn't just the muscles and ligaments that got sore and swollen likely some of the bones shifted. And if you go back out on the trail, if those aren't moving the right way and you continue to move, you might create new problems down the line because we didn't make sure it was moving the way it needed to. So exactly. with all of that background, I can bring that together and help you make sure your brain is getting its signals to the ankle, but then also make sure that everything else is moving the way that it should too. Gosh, yeah, that's like so... Awesome to hear because I think, yeah, so many hikers get out there and do things for a few days and then they're injured. And like, especially through hikers, like they don't think about the long-term causes of what could happen. And they're, those through hikers sometimes are just the type that are like, I'm going to push myself. Even if I have this small injury, I'm going to keep going. And like you said, it's, it can just cause into something bigger and bigger. Right. I mean, if that's the goal, if your goal is, this is my, you know, my big uphill, my mountain, I really want to do this race. I'm going to fight through whatever is needed to get there. I can understand that. I'm not as tough as that when I have pain. <laughs> I pretty much, I can't do this. Nope. I need to figure out why it's happening. But that mental toughness is something that, again, it's it's not necessarily that you have to stop right now. If you're on that big um, race or trail that you really want to do, but it might have consequences and understanding how that kind of connects and what you need to do to help your body afterwards is really important too. Because if you just go one trail after another, never paying attention to what your body is trying to tell you, that's going to create a lot more limitation in your ability to continue enjoying trails the rest of your life. And we don't want that. We want you to be able to enjoy your time out there and keep going back. Exactly. Exactly keep your your lifestyle that you've created so yes. um cadence cairo can you explain what the word cadence means yeah cadence so cadence by definition is a measurement of rhythm most people have heard of it from things like uh, biking running military uses it and also music that cadence of that kind of fluid motion of whatever your repetition of biking or running is or the cadence and that pace and rhythm of music. And so we chose that name because 
because of our tools and evaluating whether your body is moving the way that it should with that video x-ray, we're trying to have the proper balance of motion. So the rhythm from this bone to that bone is appropriate to keep your body functioning at its best. And ultimately, the tagline that I like to use is motion is life. I believe that we talked about that quote from Roger Sperry that 90% of the nutrition to your brain comes from movement of your spine. I want to make sure that that you might be out there on that trail, but maybe one bone in your neck or your lower back isn't part of this. Maybe that one bone isn't moving the way that it should. I want to find that one and correct it so that all the great work that people are doing to stay healthy is as effective as it possibly can be. Gosh, that's that's incredible. I'm just motivated by what you're doing. I think it's really cool. <laughs> I, love I think it. the name, the name of it, I yeah, I like that you guys put so much like thought into the way you formed your name of Cadence. It has so much meaning. That's awesome. Thank you. Is Cadence Cairo just you or is there multiple doctors there? Yep. Right now it's just me. So it's my baby. I spend all my time there and working on continuing to meet new people. And that's again why I was at the event where I got to meet you. So I'm very thankful for the opportunity and hopefully it's pretty obvious that I'm passionate about what I do. So it's really not work. It's my practice. It's my baby. So I, I enjoy it and I'm thankful for the opportunity. Yeah, I was really thankful to meet you because I just think, like I said, I think a lot of people out there hearing this information over and over again is going to make them think it through a little bit more. So um, again, oh, and one more thing with winter coming up, a lot of people are going to be outside, which is great. We're huge advocates of getting outside, but we're going to be shoveling. So what are some safety tips you can say for people who are getting out there and shoveling? Yes, I like it. I actually did an article in Natural Awakenings last winter on this. So we can definitely try to get people that information. But I'd say the biggest things that I can encourage you to do is to not be over eager. Try not to just fill that (laughs) shovel as full as you possibly can, because it's probably going to be heavy, especially with the snow that we just had. That was kind of so heavy. (laughs) So trying not to you know do too much at once. I know we want to get finished with shoveling as quickly as possible, but if you load that shovel too heavy, that can lead to possible trouble down the line too. So the the weight of the shovel, also making sure that you bend more down. Anybody who's really into any type of squats or appropriate lifting knows you don't want to bend down at your waist. You want to bend your knees to get lower. So really think of that. I like to think of it almost like a lunge where you scoop in a lunge and then stand up and you want to stand straight up. Don't scoop and stand and twist at the same time to toss it because then you're creating that bending and twisting and extension, which puts a lot of stress on the lower back. So the better thing to do is to scoop and stand and then either walk it to where you need it to go or just be standing right next to, you know, you're just moving a little bit here and there. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And I, um, I was picturing myself shoveling the other day and I was definitely doing that twist and (laughs) I'm going to go out and practice proper shoveling now. (laughs) It it feels kind of cool to be able to do that. And like, Hey, I'm really tough. I'm tossing this snow really far, like getting done so quickly. But if you're not doing enough activity to keep your core strong enough to be good at that, it can be a really tricky situation. And I do often have people come in and say, Ah, uh, well, I was shoveling and this acted up. And like, okay, we need to look back at those biomechanics and make sure that you're moving properly because it might you might do it fine that way. 
you know, year after year. And then one day you're out there and you toss it just like that laundry basket that one time and just something doesn't go right. And it didn't come from that one time. It came from your body basically being under that stress repetitively. Yeah. Wow. Just, and I mean, that's a huge thing that people can take away for this winter because we know we're going to be shoveling a lot this winter. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So is there any like last things you wanted to say for people listening? Any final tips or words of wisdom? From the doctor. I guess the biggest thing that I can think of is just I like to be a resource. You know, maybe chiropractic is something that you're really happy with who you see, or maybe you've been really nervous about it and you have questions, or you were out on a trail and you noticed this ache and pain somewhere. There's certain recommendations that I can give, and others need a, an assessment so that I know a little bit more about what's going on. But basically, I'd really like to be a resource. So if you're curious about something or why does this keep happening, I can give you some general recommendations and information, whether you want to call or email or check out the website and send a message through there. Um, It doesn't always have to be come in and be a patient. Again, I would love that opportunity. And obviously that's part of why I'm here. But I like to be that resource because everybody needs help at where they're at. So I would like to be have the opportunity to do that for anybody that's interested. That's awesome. And I think that's clear through a lot of the articles that you've shared on your website. You just want to be a resource and get that message out there for all the amazing work that you're doing with the human body and helping people live their best life. I am just, I think it's a really great field that you're in. I appreciate that. I think so too. Again, I'm very blessed to have had kind of the journey that I did because it means a lot to me. There's you know, certainly people go into different professions for different reasons, but this one just kind of everything happened the way it was meant to. So I could be helping people in this way that I'm very passionate about. And I am very thankful for the opportunity and thank you for having me here today. Yeah. Oh, and do you have a favorite trail that you go out? You're, um, you're located in Eden Prairie, your office, correct? My office is in Eden Prairie. Yes. And um, I'd say with the work that I, the time I spend at work, my most enjoyable kind of break was to go around Normandale Lake in Bloomington, which yeah. is close to where I used to live. I, I really like water. Did you? Yeah. I love that. Cause it's like, has a bit of the woods and the water and you get to see the birds and the little waterfall. And I just like, you know, I don't get to go out for hours and hours at a time, but something that I can be a little bit more connected and close to home. But I have really enjoyed Afton when I've been out there. I think that's so so many different options. And again, it's by the water and just really cool to see how many people are out there enjoying nature and not on their phones all the time. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, I love that you said Normandale Lake because like you said, and like I promote so much, people don't need to go to a state park to get out there. They can go to a simple lake and walk about a three mile. I don't even think it's a three mile lake. I think it's two and a half miles or something, but you don't even need to do this great big adventure. You can go to a lake so close to home and feel so connected to nature and get that physical movement your body needs. Exactly. I'm very thankful that some of my friends from high school started a little bit of a a group Facebook thing or a challenge of trying to work out 20 minutes a day. And it wasn't specifically you have to do a heavy workout, you could stretch, anything being active for 20 minutes a day. And I've missed a couple days, I'll be honest, but I like the opportunity to kind of have that where I see people sharing what they've been doing and it kind of motivates you a little bit more. Yeah, exactly. That community, we need to surround ourselves with that community to keep pushing ourselves and making ourselves better. 
And again, even 20 minutes, it doesn't seem like a lot, but you know, just keep doing that. Even a minimum 20 minutes a day of you're doing some stretches, you're working on your hip flexor stretches on the couch, you know, whatever it might be, that's going to help your body and keep you healthy. Because remember, motion is life. We talked about that earlier. Yes, absolutely. Motion is life. Thank you so much for coming on here. It's been really awesome and informative and educational to hear you talk and um, maybe some, some of those science words thrown around, I'll have to Google, but most of it, you know, it was, it was a very good talk with you. So thank you so much for coming on today and taking time. Thank you, Sarah. This interview with Dr. Amanda Haig actually brought me back to times during my through hike on the Superior Hiking Trail and just... A really good reminder of why when you're out on the trail, especially doing something more strenuous like a through hike, it's very important to listen to your body, prepare your body, and maintain your body throughout that activity. So like an example, there were times that I did not stretch after and earlier in the morning before I set out on the trail and I noticed quite the difference between those days versus the days where I did take the time to stretch and warm up my body before going out on the trail or once I got into camp for the night I I did some stretching and then I woke up the next day and my body wasn't as tight as if I did not stretch. And I think that's such an important note to remember because also the trail is always there. If your body isn't feeling totally in check that day, maybe just take a day off from hiking. It will always be there and you can always go back to it. You only have one body, so take care of it. I think for backpackers too, a very important piece that Amanda touched on a little bit in the interview was your pack and distributing that weight properly and not having a ton of weight on your shoulders or just making sure that your pack is properly fitted. If your pack is properly fitted, then you shouldn't have issues. The packs these days are designed to carry a lot of the load on your hips and so your lower body, your legs, which are built to take on a lot of load take on that that weight of the pack more so than having it on your shoulders and compressing your spine and possibly leading to some issues in your back. So if you are experiencing any any pain or soreness um, from your backpack, in your back, I would definitely suggest readjusting the pack and if you're not comfortable doing it yourself definitely go seek out some some help like stores like REI or if you're in the Twin Cities Midwest Mountaineering they do a great job of properly fitting your pack for you so definitely go seek out some help if you're you're having some issues with your pack. Speaking of packs it got me thinking about portage packs when you go to the Boundary Waters you bring a pack with you and carry a canoe over your head. Luckily, Andy does most of the overhead canoe carry, but I carry the portage pack. And for the first few years, we only had a portage pack that 
held on the shoulders. It did not have a hip belt. So all of the weight of the pack was in my shoulders and it was pulling it down and there was a lot of stress in my shoulders. And it was, it, I felt it when we were in the boundary waters and then I had to paddle on the lake for a while. So if you're going to the boundary waters, I highly encourage investing in a pack with a hip belt, especially if you plan on doing long portages like we have done. And I think we didn't really think that much into it originally because the portages we do are fairly short compared to the hikes. So we thought, oh, you know, it's just on your back for a little bit. But I mean, these packs, they're like 50 pounds. Oh, they're giant. Fully packed. So yeah, over time, it adds up. And we've recently now gotten a different portage pack that does have a hip belt. And we're excited to try that out this summer and see what kind of a difference that makes. Even if you aren't seeking out a chiropractic session with Dr. Amanda, she encourages people to reach out and ask questions. Her website is cadencechiromn.com. She's also on Facebook and Instagram. So make sure to follow her because she also shares some, some tips on those social media sites often. We'll have a link to her website, cadencechiromn.com, in the description of this episode, along with that article that Sarah and her were mentioning about shoveling and her Instagram link will also be in the description of this episode. Thanks for listening. Take care of yourselves. We love sharing these stories with you through the Hiking Through Life podcast, and we're so grateful that you listen to this podcast. If you'd like to support the Hiking Through Life podcast further, we have these amazing new t-shirts and water bottles. The t-shirts come in four colors, and the water bottles are perfect for trails, adventuring, or daily use. Consider checking them out at hikingthroughlife.net slash shop. Use the code podcast and receive 10% off your first order. You've been listening to the Hiking Through Life podcast. Peace, love, and hike through life.